to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. Fun times as always, big day ahead of us, lots of ground to cover and some exciting economic models to cover, some good cannabis data to look at as always. And we've got a large group today. Well, Khalil, if, if you wanted to start, we were going to maybe do a quick round of introductions since we've got a good group today. So if you all just want to take 30 seconds just to say, or more, uh, about yourself, what brings you to the group, and what you may like to, to get out of the group. So, yeah, um, Khalil, you're welcome hey, to start. Hey, everybody. My name is Khalil, and I'm actually a statistics major and, and a recent graduate. I'm just looking to, like, um, build my skill and also create a portfolio, a data statistics portfolio. But... Uh, when I found out about um, analytics, it's kind of like more specific towards, how do you call it, cannabis. Mm -hmm. well, I, I don't know yet, but I'm just here to see what, what I could learn from you, basically. And that's why I'm here. Awesome. Ha happy to have you. Exactly. Canalytics is leading the space here with data science applied to the cannabis industry. We're creating statistics that you don't see out there. We're an open, transparent box. So all the source code is available for you to use and start building up your repository of statistics. So whether you're here just to learn data science or learn about the cannabis industry or both, you're in the perfect place. Awesome. So. Raylan, are you interested in introducing yourself? Sure. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Good morning. My name is Raylan Soriano. Um, I came, so I just came out of a boot camp about data science. And right now I'm kind of like in the job process, but I'm still obviously want to keep learning um, with things with data science. And I just saw, I was looking up meetups. And I so happened to find this one. So I came here just to learn, uh, basically. Yeah. Too cool. Happy to have you. We Sorry. get a lot of data science coming through. And what I always tell everyone is there's a shortage of data scientists. So your, your skills will be valuable. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yes. A purbine. Happy to have you today, or you don't have to, but if you would like, you're welcome to introduce yourself. So feel free to chime in. And then Heather, you're welcome to introduce yourself to the group if you're interested as well. Hey, I'm Heather. Uh, I've been coming to uh, Cannabis Data Science for a couple months now. Um, I... I've been in the lab for over a decade, uh, not currently, but I have research experience and I have experience processing data. This is a refreshing experience for me um, now that uh, cannabis and um, data science have united for me personally. Um, I have a personal interest in this and also um, contributing if I can. Thank you. And you definitely can. And so Heather is our laboratory whiz here. So <laughs> no. You're, you're the one with the more stringent laboratory background. So Heather's always here to help us with, you know, the real life experience and expertise of testing cannabis. So, Thank you. so without further ado, I'll go ahead and share with you some of the work we've been doing. We've been looking at data here in Massachusetts. Oh, we've got one last guest. We've been looking at Massachusetts. And so today we can finish up. We've been doing sort of a rigorous analysis, but today will be the third and final day. And then we can start branching out into some other states. Happy to have you, Barry. We just did a round of introductions. So you're welcome to, if you would like, spend 30 seconds or so and introduce yourself if you would like. Well, Barry, I'm not sure your mic's coming through. You, I believe you, you're muted. 
There we go. How's that? Coming through. Okay. I'm, uh, my name is Barry. Nice to meet you all. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a, a gardener. I'm a home grower. And uh, just trying to master that. This is my second year and uh, already planning for third year. And I'm interested in this. I've been studying the science for quite a while. And uh, the business part, I'm a businessman. So I'm looking for those opportunities that stand out. Uh, is that what you're all about? Well, we can definitely use your perspective today. So we always like to have different people with different angles. And so it will be awesome to have your perspective. So today we're actually going to be estimating the rate of return that you would expect uh, from cultivating a plant in Massachusetts. And it would be interesting to hear your perspective if our estimations are in a reasonable ballpark. You're growing in Massachusetts? We're just looking at cannabis data in Massachusetts. So oh, okay. Massachusetts publishes good data. And so what we do is we essentially collect public cannabis data and see if we can't calculate market statistics. So that way we can create value for the public, right? We take data that's publicly available to everybody show you how you can create a pipeline and calculate statistics. And essentially you can turn this treasure that's just laying there on the table in, into gold. And so you can get some, you'll, you'll see, you'll, you can get some rich insights with data that's publicly available. I'm, I'm all ears. I, I read your description and uh, I, I'm in very interested. Thank you for having me, everybody. Welcome, welcome aboard, Barry. And without further ado, let's go ahead and show you how it's done. Okay. Well, welcome to the meetup for the 17th. I can go ahead and just give you a quick introduction to the presentation. Let's just get one final guest here. And Zab, we may have to get your introductions at the end. Zabuhula, <laughs> welcome to the group. We're about to kick off, so you're welcome to Give you a quick introduction if you would like. Uh, so, hi everyone. My name is Zabio Lazabi, and I'm uh, right now. I'm joining you from Canada, uh, Toronto. Yeah, I I have a bachelor's in business, and I have a biz, uh, I have a master's in education. I also have one certificate and one diploma uh, in data science. I have like uh, learned advanced data science, machine learning, data analyzing, and data cleaning. So I'm just new in the market in the industry of data science. Awesome. Awesome to have you aboard. So you'll be able to make sure everything's up to snuff. And so definitely feel free to share your ideas as we go through. Sure. Thank you so much. Well, awesome to have you all. So just to give you a quick introduction and then we'll just dive in. So We've been looking at Massachusetts data. So we were looking at sales in Massachusetts and Massachusetts is an interesting state because they actually closed the cannabis market for a two month period in 2020. Whereas in other states you saw a spike in sales in Massachusetts, you see you know, this, this period of no sales. So a different dynamic than other states. And so we're going to essentially look at the market performance in Massachusetts and predict what the performance may be in 2022. And then next week, 
we'll start to do interstate comparative analyses. So we can start to say, compare Massachusetts to Oregon or Colorado. So then we can see how policies in different states affect the market performance. And we'll try to uncover a handful of insights along the way. So the way we're doing all of this is we're using this economic framework here where we're relying heavily on the Cobb-Douglas production function. I think we've got Donovan joining. So long story short, we're using variables that we know we can get in Mass Massachusetts. So that's sales per week, labor per week, and we're proxying capital with flowering plants per week. And happy to have you, Donovan. You're welcome to chime in at any point to, to introduce yourself. So don't let me just stand, uh, drone on to chime in at any point. But long story short, just to show you a little bit of economic, well, economics plus math real quick. So we'll, we'll move through this pr pretty quickly. But long story short is, given the Cobb-Douglas production function, you can take the derivative with respect to labor. And this is the intermediary step. So basically, you just bring beta down in front, you subtract one, and that gives you your marginal product of labor. Well, what you can actually do is actually alpha, I mean, A times KT to the alpha times LT to the beta. Well, that's just YT. So you can say, well, the marginal product of labor is beta times YT over LT. And economic theory suggests that in equilibrium, the wage will be equal to your marginal product of labor. So if the wage is higher than the marginal product of labor, then the employer would actually lay off some workers. And then if the wage is above, I mean, if the wage is below marginal product of labor, then firms will want to hire workers and then be gradually raising and raising wages until wages reach the marginal product of labor. And so there'll be forces in the economy that will prevent the wage from ever being, you know, competitive and, you know, actually equal to the marginal product of labor, but we can still use it as an estimate. So we can estimate what the competitive wage may be. Well, this is just for labor. We can also do it for capital. So here's the same mathematics where we just take the derivative with respect to capital this time. So we bring alpha down in front, subtract one. Well, that we can just use math and say, okay, well, that's just alpha times yt over kt and i am sort of running through the this i would recommend you sit down with paper and pencil and actually you know take the derivative so you know this is something that i've spent years doing so that's why i can move through this quickly it took me a long time to get to this point so you know it took me three plus years of doing this on paper and pencil over and over and over again and racking my brain trying to figure this out. So I'm moving through this really quickly just to get to the juicy bits for today. But if this is something that interests you, I would recommend sitting down with paper and pencil and actually doing these equations yourself. But long story short, once again, you can 
estimate what would be the competitive interest rate for capital. And so this is the interest rate that investors would like to get for loaning out capital equipment or money to invest in capital equipment. So that's the, the you know, the, the scary mathematics underpinning this, just so we're not pulling things out of thin air. Keep in mind, this is all coming from a pretty simple production function here. And so in subsequent weeks, we can make this production function more complex. So for example, A is essentially, they call it the total factor of productivity. That's basically the state of technology. And we can expect that will vary over time. So you could let A vary over time by adding a trend component. And there's many ways you could make the production function more complex and realistic. And that's a lot of what the modern economics literature is about. And so maybe if you tune in on Saturday morning statistics, I can go a bit more in depth into this where we could talk about, you know, the history of the production function and some of these additions that can be done to it. But this is the most simple model. And so everything, so a lot of things are additions upon this. And just to give a shout out to Well, when can I was first to meet? Maybe Robert, but Professor Solo at MIT was a, one of the people who did a lot of the fundamental work on this. But we'll talk about this in Saturday morning statistics. For today, we'll go ahead and estimate this. So let's go ahead and get Cheyenne into the group here. And then we'll actually just go ahead and move on to the coding part since we probably bored you to death with the mathematics. Let's actually get our hands on the data here. And welcome to the group, Cheyenne. We'll, we're just about to get started with the coding. And I'm just gonna go ahead and commit the code to GitHub in case you want to follow along on the, the so just so everybody knows, the, the source code is online on GitHub. So here I just committed the code 19 seconds ago. So that way you can follow along online as we, as we go. So it may be a little quick to get started for today, but in the future, if you want to follow along, now you know where the code base is and how you can go about following along. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and move through this part quickly since we've spent a bit of time on this in the prior week. So check out YouTube or camlytics.com and we've got prior videos uploaded there. So we'll basically read in data here for Massachusetts. And for those of you curious about where this data is coming from, Massachusetts makes their data publicly available through an API. So check out Socrata. We've got some links here that you can find some of the data points that they publish. Some of the ones we've been looking at are sales, right? And so these are daily sales. And we've talked in pre prior weeks about how a lot of our analysis, since we're looking at about the medium term, which is 2022, we can look at weekly sales. So we, we work a lot with 
weekly data. So here, weekly sales moving along. And, you know, we've collected a handful of data points here. I don't think we're using these today, but, you know, we can calculate, you know, the total number of retailers and cultivators. So here's our, you know, sales per retailer, flowering plants. Ooh, and Barry, this is something that may be of interest to you. So this is flowering plants per cultivator. And so on average, you know, we're getting, right, you know, over time, there's an average of 300 plants per cultivator. But as you can see, but the trend is increasing. And, you know, these days, I think, right, the last observation, people had around 500 plants on average per cultivation. That's flowering plants. So, so that's what you're looking at in Massachusetts, or at least that's what the data says. And I kind of want to go ahead and hedge all of our analysis here, right? Because data, you know, data in, data out, right? Um, so, so a lot of our analysis depends on how accurate the API data is. And I would like to think, you know, the Massachusetts data is fairly accurate, but inevitably, I'm sure there's measurement error in the data. So, you know, is everybody measuring flowering plants the same or on the daily basis, right? So maybe people may reconcile at the end of the week or so maybe there's measurement error in here, but We'll just, you know, hedge all of our analysis, knowing that the date, what I always like to say is the data is not perfect, but a measure is better than no measure. So do people have exactly 495.9 plants? You know, probably not, but, you know, we can at least know about how many plants somebody may have. So that way you can at least know what, what may be reasonable and what, what may not be reasonable. So with that said, we can start our forecasting and check out some of the prior weeks, especially Saturday morning statistics, if you want to get real in-depth into the forecasting models. And so here we're going to use an a-theoretical approach where we basically just use past observations and we were just saying, okay, this series, if it continues moving the way it has in the past, this is what forecast would look like. So these forecasts can be improved upon, but it's a starting um, So let's just go ahead and do all the forecasts real quick. <laughs> So here we're forecasting sales, plants, and the total number of employees that will be in the market, right? Because we need to know, right, that was one of our variables, was labor. And here is the figure that we saw at the beginning of the presentation, where we're measuring sales, plants, cultiv cultivators, retailers, and so on and so forth. Um, check in last week for a bit more in-depth discussion about this, but th because this week I want to go ahead and move into this, the last aspect of market performance, right? 
So we we met right because let's go back to our presentation. We're interested in measuring productivity, right? Market performance here. And let's look at all our variables here, right? We're of course interested in sales. We're taking productivity as exogenous. So A, we're not trying to explain. Labor, we're interested in. So we've, you know, predicted like the labor supply, you know, how much labor there's going to be. Capital, right? We've predicted what how much capital is going to be supplied. Well, we know what supply is going to be, right? Well, in equilibrium, supply equals demand and prices are set. So when we're doing a competitive analysis, I mean a market analysis here of market performance, we're basically going to assume that at every period T, the market's in equilibrium, supply equals demand and prices are set. So that means at each point T, there's a competitive wage and there's a competitive interest rate and supply equals demand, the plants are grown, the cannabis is sold and those prices are as they were shaken out. Well, you know, we actually have the price per gram here. So that was one of our variables that we're able to pull from the API. So we're doing a market analysis here. So that means we need to characterize the prices. So this is the price per gram in Massachusetts. Well, next week in our comparative analysis, we'll compare the price per gram of Massachusetts versus the price per gram in Oregon. And foreshadowing, there's quite a discrepancy. Um, and once again, is it in measurement error or it's probably got to do with the markets, right? The Oregon market is probably different than the Massachusetts market. So we'll look at that. And when we look at prices, right, there's a whole lot of ways you can characterize prices, right? What everyone's talking about these days is, you know, inflation. And when we've talked about, well, you know, cannabis prices aren't rising, right? Um, so you, we can actually look at the change in prices. So that would be what we would define as inflation. So, um, you know, so real quick, right? That's basically um, uh, you know price per gram. Um, it's percent change, and you can plot that over time. And so this would be the inflation of cannabis prices in Massachusetts. And as you can see, you know, it's actually kind of steady except for this, you know, really rocky period here. And we could even chalk some of this up to maybe there's some measurement error going on during that period. So long story short, there's a whole lot of analysis you can do just on prices. And we'll, we'll do a bit of that next week. So the question I'm interested in is, what's the effect on, say, inflation in Massachusetts versus Oregon, right? So it's like, yes, and this is where we're going to use some statistical models and look at the differences here, right? Because, yes, their prices are different, but maybe this closure in Massachusetts did this have an upward or downward pressure on prices? And we can perhaps 
look at the difference between Massachusetts and Oregon and maybe try to disentangle um, these effects. I'll quit droning on about these prices because what we're more interested in today are these prices. So people often don't think of, you know, wage as a price, but economists like to just treat everything as being able to be bought or sold and labor is no exception. Labor can be bought or sold at the wage rate. So that's how economists look at things. And so, and so the wage is essentially the price of labor. And the interest rate is essentially the price of capital goods. So basically having capital on hand, your economists are saying you're having to pay this interest rate because you're either having to pay an investor to get the funds you need to buy these this equipment or if you already own the equipment you could be renting it out at the competitive rate and if you could have been making this revenue and you're foregoing it that's what's called your opportunity cost so even if you already own the equipment your opportunity cost of using the equipment to produce cannabis is your interest rate, which you could have been earning by leasing out this equipment to somebody else. In reality, can you just lease out every bit of equipment you own at the competitive interest rate? Not really, right? And this is where there's imperfections in the market, right? There's transaction costs, right? Things aren't perfectly liquid. So this is where theoretical abstractions of economics meets empirical reality. So that's exactly what we're doing today. So we mix theory with empirics. <clears throat> So now that we've droned on about prices, let's try to estimate them. And this is, this is the fun part here. So we've done all our forecasting here. We're going to get a couple, a couple more variables. So check out the Federal Reserve economic data. Fred, so just do a Google search for Fed, Fred, and you can get a bunch of economic series here. And I use these as fillers whenever I can't get these data points from whatever data series we're working on. And this is an awesome technique, right? Supplement your data with other data sets. So here we've got data from Massachusetts, Socrata, we're going to combine it with some data from Fed Fred. So what are we going to do? We're just going to get the average weekly hours here. So, right, they're not tracking this in the cannabis industry. So it would be awesome to know what people in the cannabis industry were working each week. We don't have that data. So we're just going to have to assume that people in the cannabis industry in Massachusetts are working the same hours per week on average as everyone else in Massachusetts. Is this a stretch? Maybe, maybe not. And so this is where, when we're going through these estimations, right, we're gonna get our figure at the end well, we need to sort of include all of these assumptions along the way in our footnotes or something, right? We need, and not just in our footnotes, right? If When you're presenting your findings to people, you need to be real explicit about assumptions that were made along the way. And here we're making an assumption, maybe it's minor, maybe it's major, that people in the cannabis industry work the same 
hours per week as in other industries. And maybe they work more than average. Maybe they work less than average. And so we need to take that into consideration and say how that may bias our results. Um, so if people in the cannabis industry actually work greater than this, maybe we're biased in our wage estimate, either upwards or downwards. So that's something to acknowledge here. I'm going ahead and grabbing these two series just for a baseline. So what these are, are so this is average earnings in Massachusetts per hour, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. so. So this is average earnings per hour in Massachusetts. So going up, um, see the spike here. Um, now that's interesting. So the average earnings went up in Massachusetts. Um, well, but it's like, since so this is where, this is sort of a sad part of analyzing the data, right? Because mathematically, right, this is what economists look at, right? Margins, what happens at the margin, right? And so if the way margins were explained to me is say you're getting grades and you've got a 90, the 92 average, well, if your next marginal grade is above a 92, your average will increase. And if your next grade is below a 92, your average will decrease. So it's, you know, that's a, you know, how you can kind of understand marginal change here. Well, what happened in the market that caused the average earnings to increase? Well, that means that either employees were added to the market with higher wages, or unfortunately, what I fear is employees with below average wages were removed from the market. Um, and so unfortunately, it does look like a large number of lower income employees may have lost their jobs at that point. Um, like I said, I don't want to read too much into this. And this is where if you were doing an analysis of wages, which we are, are essentially, where we, you should hit the newspapers. So you should look at the newspapers in Massachusetts at this time period here which looks like this looks like the same period here um, where well these two series aren't going to to plot too well on top of each other but see right at this period where the market was closed that's why wages increased so long story short being an economist is basically being, uh, you know, a historian, a statistician, you know, a political science student, a full philosophy and psychology all sort of bundled into one. And, you know, that's sort of a data science, you know, data science takes it to the next step. So all of you here today are or having to having to do this so you know and that's what will make you a good data scientist is if you can take skills from other fields and incorporate them into your analysis so incorporate some history incorporate some psychology into your analysis so long story short average earnings went up the minimum wage we're just using this as a benchmark here just to know okay you know whatever we're predicting wages to be our predictions really can't be below the minimum wage uh, or if they are then you know they're not then people aren't getting paid or then people are getting paid above their 
competitive. But long story short, this is a benchmark here. So now we know what the minimum wage is here in Massachusetts. Um, and we, you know, we can even plot these two together. So we can just kind of keep adding. So there's the minimum wage and there's the average wage in Massachusetts. And we want to know where the cannabis industry wage shakes out. Well, let's estimate this. So we need to know beta, yt, and lt, right? So we've got yt. Bingo. We've got L. So we need hours worked. So this is where I start to get a little creative. And so this is how I do things. You can do things differently. And this is where science meets art. So I define labor as the total number of employees times the average weekly hours. So that's the total people hours, the total hours worked in the cannabis industry per week. Cool. Now we need to know beta. Well, we've got a production function here. We can estimate it. So if you just take, that's why, that's why people love the Cobb-Douglas production function. Because if you just take the log of both sides, you get a linear regression here, right? You just get log sales equals log A, which is just a constant that we're taking as exogenous means we're not trying to explain it, plus alpha times kt. What's kt? We're proxying it as the flowering plants per week. I'm going to show you here how this is a big assumption, and we need a better measure of capital, but this is just the best measure that we're given. So we're basically assuming that, say, you're growing 100 plants, you need a fixed amount of capital. If you're growing 500 plants, you need a fixed amount of capital. If you need 1,000 plants, you need a fixed amount of capital. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be linear, but, um, but it does have to be directly correlated. That's a huge assumption to make. Um, um, but that's an assumption that we have to make to or, and to estimate this thing. So, so yeah, so this is a huge, huge estimate. So basically, I'm just going to go ahead and hedge this as whatever numbers we spit out here are going to be almost like a mental exercise. I'm not going to say that this is what the competitive wage is or is not what the competitive interest rate is but this is our exercise here so we can at least attempt to have a measure since we don't actually know what the wage is right the trade right the whoever is doing taxes the department of revenue in massachusetts i'm sure actually knows what the wage rate is for each individual but you know that's private information um, right, so that's private information. And so we're trying to get our best public estimate of what the wage rate is. So that way, one, employees know what they should be asking for, and two, employers know what they should uh, be expected to, to pay. And same for interest rate, that way investors know what to ask for and Producers know what what a fair fair rate of return, a, a fair interest rate is to pay.
right? Because you want you want to know what a fair price is. Like what what are the fair prices? And that's almost one of the hardest parts of operating in these industries is you don't know what a fair price is, right? When you're an employee and you're bargaining for a wage, you don't know what the fair wage is, right? You have to sort right when you're in your job interview and they ask you if if they do like you know how much do you want to get paid like you're going to have to give them a, a figure um or if they're you know writing up the job they're going to have to put a figure down and you know a lot of times people use these ad hoc methods um and here we're trying to to formalize it a little better but like i said it's it's an imperfect measure as is okay so we've got our model here We've got Y, K, and L. Not yet, but we will shortly. All right, we've got Y, K, and L. We're restricting our analysis here to 2019 to 2021, the end of September, just so we have a nice... Um, Well, I thought we were. Anyways. Maybe we're... Oh, yes, that's right. So here, yes, our data is starting at 2019. And then I'm just going to assume that the market just closes. So we're just going to assume, okay, the market's just going to close and we're just going to drop those observations for those two months there. Um, this is sort of a violation of like time series analysis, right? Time series analysis is considering your T's or just incrementing. So this is a challenge here, having this break. But, um, you know, there's different ways you can estimate this but this is the way that I rationed was was the way to keep the most data with you know with the least bias. So, like I said, there's probably ways to improve upon this, but we're just going to exclude that time period there where where sales were zero. Okay. And so now we're going to take the log of Y, take the log of capital, take the log of labor, and fit a regression. So we just estimated our regression here. We have a really poor fit. So this is not a very good regression model. So our production function can be improved upon a lot. Our coefficients here aren't actually significant. Um, so so like I said, if you're a frequentist, you couldn't conclude that these were you know statistically significant. We're sort of <laughs> I'm more of a Bayesian in that. I'm just trying to just get some numbers and use my prior beliefs and knowledge to see if they look reasonable, right? And right, and that's the whole reason why we've been looking at things like average earnings because I'm a Bayesian and I'm trying to establish a prior. I'm trying to have a prior expectation of what wages are going to be. If you're a frequentist, you don't want your prior beliefs creeping into your analysis. The Bayesians just acknowledge that they inevitably do. So it's just saying, okay, instead of, you know, pretending like your prior beliefs don't exist, just, you know, acknowledge, okay, you know, this, this is what average earnings are. You know, this is what the minimum wage is. My prior belief is that wages are probably between average earnings and minimum wage. 
right? Maybe they're above average earnings, but, you know, not like that much above, like, and they're not going to, it's not going to be like three times above average, I don't think. And I, it's probably not going to be like that much below minimum wage if it is below minimum wage. So the long story short, the significance may or may not matter. And this is where I, I'll show you here before we end that our measure of capital matters quite a bit. So foreshadowing our measure of capital matters. Um, but long story short, we've measured, we've run our regression here and remember alpha is just our coefficient on capital, beta is our coefficient on labor. So here, you know, we just get those. We've got alpha and we've got beta. Well, that's cool because since we've got beta, we can now measure beta times yt over lt to get our competitive wage. So let's do that. So here we're estimating our historic competitive wage. And we, we are noting that the, comp the competitive wage was really high at the start of the market. And from the economic theory, this would make sense because there's not many people working in the cannabis industry at this time, right? If you look at weekly employees, there's not many people working. So each additional employee that you add is going to have a high marginal product a high marginal product is going to equal a high wage. The, those it's going to fall over time as more and more people enter the market and it's going to, you know, stabilize. It looks like there's just been downward pressure. Market closes. Well, if people can't sell anything, then they can't be productive. So we're actually predicting that, you know, the competitive wage at that time is, is zero, right? If you can't produce any value, then you know, no one's going to pay you for anything. And so that's where you saw people essentially getting fired um, because they're not, be, they're not able to produce any value because no cannabis can be sold. And so, you know, they get laid off because the wage, their current wage is above their, their, their marginal product. And then people come back to work and then we're, you know, you're going along here. Something happens here in, um, in like this spring of 2021, I'm, like I said, I'm going to have to hit the Massachusetts newspapers because I know I can't explain this dip in sales. Um, you don't see this in other markets and it looks like it's a Massachusetts specific dip. And I think some investigation needs to be done to figure out what, what, what happened uh, with sales during that period. So that's an interesting research question. Um, so long story short, wages, once again, they fall during that period because there's just not many sales. And now wages are, you know, bouncing back towards the level they were, but they're volatile. So it's like, you know, when one week, you know, their productivity is high. So that means, you know, Firms are really going to be looking for workers. Then the next week, the productivity is low, you know, and they're not going to be looking for as many workers. And then the next week, it's high, then low, high, then low, high, then low. So that's why this recent market's been characterized by this uh, this volatility. 
Um, and especially, you know, in a labor market, that's going to make things difficult, right? <laughs> because you want to be accepting your wage rate, right? If you're a worker at the top of one of these spikes versus the bottom, um, you know, and then employers are wanting the public peg wages, you know, where they're low. Um, and so this is where, you, you know, you've just heard anecdotally, you know, through the news and whatnot, how there's this tumultuous labor market. Um, and then also, you know, we've got our estimate for the rate of return on plants. And then Barry, you can maybe speak to this. Um, but basically we were estimating that the rate of return on plants was of course high in the beginning and then maybe it is decreasing over time, but it's maybe, um, what did we say? So like in the last year, the last year it's been around $62 per plant. Per flowering plant, per week. Um, so we're not certain if this is a very good measure of a rate of return, but we can at least we at least like we at least know wages dollars per hour. People are pretty familiar with that measure. Uh, dollars per plant per week is a bit more of an obscure measure. All right. Just to go ahead and run through this last little bit here so we can be concluding on, on time, I thought we could go ahead and use our same analysis from above to predict what wages would be like in 2022. And I'm going to run through this, but the code's online, so if you want to run through it with me on the one-on-one -on -one or something, just email me and we can maybe work something out to, to go through this, you know, line by line a bit more specifically. But long story short, let's go ahead and predict wages into 2022. And there's our forecast. We can do a slightly better figure here. So here's our competitive wage forecast into 2022 in Massachusetts. And so, you know, we were saying that the data science group is estimating that the wage for would be competitive in Massachusetts to be $27 per hour on, on average. So this would be everybody in the industry. How does that stack out against everything? Well, here's everything plotted together. So here is in blue, you have average earnings in Massachusetts. In red, you have the minimum wage. In orange, you have our estimated competitive wage rate in the cannabis industry. And then in green, you have our forecast for the competitive wage rate in Massachusetts. Notice a couple things. One, the competitive wage rate we estimated was above average. And now it's looking like it's either you know, approaching average earnings, or it may even be, you know, approaching a slightly below average median income. And so this, that may be, you know, if cannabis becomes a bit more of your, you know, your standard agricultural crop, you know, you may not actually see super high wage rates. But you notice our error bounds here, and so, you know, and plus we've got a lot of factors essentially by biasing our analysis downwards. And in fact, 
Well, just to, to go ahead and pack in a bunch of things here, if we just used alpha and beta from earlier and then used our sales forecast and our plant forecast, then, you know, our forecast would be here in gray. So it would be even, you know, even lower. So if we're just using the a theoretical approach, it would be in green. If we're using a theoretical approach, it would be in gray, where we would predict the lower competitive wage. And just to give you a complete uncertainty, if we were going to change our measure of capital, so say instead of using flowering plants, we just said, oh, let's just use all plants. Well, let's just estimate everything again real quick. Mm. Uh, maybe not super quick, but you know, quick enough in the grand scheme of things. So here we're just, you know, changing our measure of capital. Get our forecasts. Okay. And here is our forecast for wages. So here, if we change capital from flowering plants to just all plants, which includes vegetative plants, well, it radically changes our estimate of wage. Right now, all of a sudden, we're estimating wage was never as high as average and now it's fallen down to minimum wage and we're predicting it's going to just hover around minimum wage in 2022 so you know a lot of our prediction here depends solely on our, our variables like you know what how do we want to measure capital? You know, are we measuring it as flowering plants? Are we measuring it as all plants? You know, maybe we could measure, you know, you could, you know, you could cook up some measure of capital that maybe incorporates floor plan, uh, right? Because we know the, the square footage used by the producers. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can measure capital and the way you do determines how you're, it determines what you predict the competitive wage in the market's going to, going to be. So I just wanted to show you this to give you a little bit of uncertainty here that, you know, this is not all set in stone. This is, you know, it matters how you do your analysis here. And so, you know, are we, with, you know, which graph do we present to the public? Do we show them the one with the plant, the total plants or the flowering plants? You know, they, they both have their different implications. My personal bias is towards flowering plants because it just, it, if you look at, these two series here it just looks just on eyesight to be the more reliable measure um but they're different um so all right all right donna all right some people have got to go so we're, we'll wrap up here so thank you, thank you all for attending. Thanks, Donovan. So I always run a bit long, so I need to, to make an effort to conclude on time. So long story short, next week we'll pick back up and start to look at other states, but this is how you can start to measure prices in the market, right? You can define your economic model. You can conjecture that supply equals demand. And then 
estimate wages and the rate on return on plants. And it matters how you do your analysis. And I was thinking there was going to be a lesson for the day, but I think I'll let you all just maybe think about it and maybe feel free to share your feedback about, you know, what, what, what you, what your takeaways were for, for today, but until next time, I'll, I'll clean up the code for you and you know, share all these resources with you. Thank you.